good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Well, there's a story about a journalist, and he was assigned to the Jerusalem Bureau for his paper, and he had gotten an apartment that was overlooking the Wailing Wall, where people come to pray on a regular basis, and he had been there for several weeks, and he noticed after a while that whenever he looked down there, he saw a mature man who was coming there on a regular basis and, and praying vigorously. And that particular journalist was wondering whether there might be a story there. Maybe there's something there I can write about. And so he went down to the wall and he introduced himself to him. And he said to the gentleman, uh, you come here every day from what I can observe and what are you praying for? And the man replied, well, what am I praying for? Well, in the morning, I pray for world peace. And then I pray for the brotherhood of humankind. And, and then I may go home for a little while and, and I'll have a glass of tea. And then I come back and I pray for the eradication of illness and the eradication of disease from all of the earth. And the journalist, nevertheless, was, was taken by this man's sincerity, by his persistence. And he said to him, you mean you've been coming to this wall every day for these things? And the man nodded and said, yes. And the journalist asked him, well, how long have you been coming to the wall to pray for all these things you've been praying for every day? And he, the man reflected and thought about it for a moment, said, how long? Uh, maybe 20, maybe 25 years. And the journalist was just amazed that he had that, that, that perseverance. And he asked him, well, how does it feel to come and pray every day for over 20 years for the things you've been praying for? How does it feel? And the old man said, well, and I'm just translating you know, roughly. He said, it feels like I'm talking to a freaking wall. <laughs> Well, we don't want our prayers to feel that way. And I would say he was doing more than that. It was something changing in his own awareness and his consciousness. But we don't want our prayers to be something that's a re, un, to an unresponsive wall. We don't want our prayers to seem like it's going to an entity that is somewhere outside of ourselves and is somewhere not connected to us. But we know that, you know, if we look at true prayer, 
And we heard Carol sing about it, and this is just an expansion of that. Prayer is not a supplication. It's not begging and wailing. It's not pleading or screaming loud, trying to get some God to be different. As I like to say, if, imagine if we were all praying to a God to get God to be different. Every single day, God would be twirling around doing all kinds of different things. We have a chaotic world. So it's not anything like that. It's not dropping our knees or sweating or gyrating and trying to get the universe to shift for us. I believe our highest prayer is not any of those things. But our highest prayer is getting in touch with the awareness that you and I already have what we are praying for. You know, I think it's called behaving. What Austin Powers told, I don't know if you those movies long back. I used to watch these Austin Powers movies. They, they're really silly. And he would say things like, yeah, baby. And uh, he would say something like, behave. But really what he's talking about, behave. It's touching a state of being. We want to be something first. Because in that state of being, we realize that we have everything already. And that state unfolds as our life. So we're not trying to change the external world, which so many people try to do. We're not trying to change another person, which so many people feel it is their absolute duty to do. We're touching a state of being. And as I like to say, I was mentioning on a group, I was on the on Zoom, they were having a program, they asked me to be the speaker on, online, and they were talking about, you know, their, their theme was sometimes you, you, you have not because you ask not. And I was pointing out the idea that, you know, what we have to do is be something first. Once we be it, then we're able to see it. You know, years ago, there was a young man who had come to me and he was struggling you know, trying to find his purpose in life. You know, some people have that challenge, maybe in different stages of life. What am I here for? Because he said he lost, and he felt lost and unfulfilled. So he started, you know, to do what he thought God was wanting him to do. And, and he said, God, if, if, if you give me clarity, and you let me know what my purpose is, my direction, then, you know, I will give up all these things. You know, I'll start partying and start, stop, you know, whatever he's going to do. And... Uh, that was his prayer. And after months of this kind of prayer, there was no change. Everything seemed to be the same. So he decided that he was going to act as if he had already gotten the answer. And he took his steps in alignment with what he thought that answer was and to his highest dream, what spirit has in store for him. Even when he was unsure of what the outcome was going to be. And he found out that after he did this, it began to shape his way of thinking, his aware of awareness, and he began to act with greater purpose. His, class, his pathway became clearer. And then seemingly out of the blue, he discovered his true passion and calling in life. You know, often our prayers are weak because the prayers are about negotiating what we want from the presence of God, what we want, what we want, when we want it. But the highest prayer is about shifting something in us, our awareness. And when we shift in our awareness, when we shift in our consciousness, oh, seeming miracles begin to happen. They happen because we have gone outside our present paradigm. And a paradigm is just a fancy word for a way of thinking. You know, I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said something to the effect that prayer is the contemplation of the facts of life from the highest point of view. 
And I think it's particularly relevant when we go through challenges. We all have challenges sometimes. And contrary to some belief that when people get into this teaching and you know, positive thinking and new thought, ancient wisdom teachings, that you know, we're not going to have challenges. But the reality is we're never going to have a challenge-free life. So when we're faced with challenges, when we're faced with difficulties, faced with setbacks, when we're faced with disappointments, we have to see it from a high point of view, and then we realize that the challenges show up for a reason. They're here to activate the hidden capabilities and capacities longing to emerge through us. And I think to set this in motion, this highest prayer vibration, we have to ask ourselves, what is the gift of growth in this challenge? What is it offering me? How can this challenge help me evolve my soul? I believe our highest prayer causes us to lean into the challenge and see it as an evolutionary trigger. It's like a grain of sand in an oyster that we see that a pearl is eventually created. And I think we're further moved to seeing things from the highest point of view or experience our highest prayer when we are asking empowering questions and the questions want to be something like, what is God's idea for itself in my life in this situation? What expression of God is seeking to express in and as and through me? And I believe when we ask questions like that, we begin to catch glimpses and insights and signs in response. And we begin to activate something within us that whenever we ask those entire empowering questions. But oftentimes we stop that vibration from showing up when we ask disempowering questions. Disempowering questions, well, why me? What's wrong? Who's to blame? How can this get any worse in my life? Now, I always say, don't ever ask that question. <laughs> You never want to ask that question because the universe being all-powerful and all-knowing, if you ask that question, it'll come back and say, if you want to know how things can get worse in your life, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Understand that we get the, the answers that we get has been dependent upon the quality of the questions that we ask. If we ask how we things get worse, we get answers from that low vibration part of us that thinks it's separated from the all-knowing, solution-oriented universe. So we end up using the statement, ask and you shall receive. We see that in, in, the, in the Bible, ask and you shall receive. We can use that in a high way or a low way. Empowering questions and our highest prayers avail us to opportunities. They avail us to possibilities. They avail us to potential that is constantly surrounding us, bombarding us all of the time. So when we have a so-called problem, we realize it's an opportunity to grow so that we may become more and never, ever less than our true self. You know, this month is Black History Month, and you know, I usually have some readings that I do throughout the month, and, you know, I was fortunate a friend of mine, actually, uh, congregate, Dr. Uh, Dr. Daniel gave me a book, and so at least an excerpt from a book to, to read. And I started reading it, you know, this weekend as I was preparing for the talk. And one of the articles about the book uh, uh, led me to actually go ahead and just get the Kindle so I could start reading it right now. But anyway, here's a synopsis of it, and I'm still kind of reading through it. You know, there's a Sergeant Isaac Woodard. And he had just completed like three years or more of tour in the segregated unit of his army. 
And back in that day, he boarded a Greyhound bus in Augusta, Georgia. And that bus was going to take him home. But he had a heated exchange with, you know, the bus driver. And when he went to the next town, he was forcibly removed from the bus. And he was later beaten and blinded by the police chief. And this was in 1946. And during that time, civil rights prosecutions, they hardly ever happened. But the president at that time, Harry Truman, insisted that his attorney general bring the charges. And that police chief was tried before an all-white jury in that courthouse before a judge, Wadey's Waring. There was little evidence to suggest that he was not guilty. In fact, all the evidence showed that he was guilty beyond any doubt at all. But he was acquitted. And Judge Waring had taken for granted all of his privilege he had had in his life up until that time. You know, he was in that segregated South, but the blinding of that individual, Woodard, forced him to see differently. Something within him clicked, something within him transformed, and he began to re-examine his assumptions. He delved into the law and was awakened to a vast system of inequality that surrounded him during that time. And after that, he wrote several landmark civil rights decisions for years that followed, including a key decision that he wrote that was a dissent. He actually was on the losing side. But what he wrote was so powerful, it became a model for the Supreme Court's opinion of Brown versus Board of Education. But I say all of that because I believe that Judge Waring asked some empowering questions that challenged the status quo, that took a second look at his own beliefs. He reexamined his values, and he lived accord with the highest and best of what he knew himself deep down inside to be. Anyway, it's so far, it's a very fascinating read, very well written as, I, as I'm reading it. But anyway, if you're interested, you know, it's the un, I think it's called the unexampled uh, courage. And it's the binding of the blinding of Sergeant Isaac Woodard and the awakening of a president, Harry Truman, and Judge Wadey's Waring. And it's written by Richard Gurgle. Anyway, the judge, I think, Waters broke out of the box of limited thinking and the rules that governed the society at that time. I would say that most people, maybe myself at times, live in small box consciousness. And that requires a small box vaccine in order to eliminate small box living. And I think by asking empowering questions, which is a high prayer practice, it initiates a shift in our awareness, a shift in our consciousness where seeming miracles actually happen. They happen outside the box, outside of our present paradigm. And that's the reason Albert Einstein said something to the effect, we can never solve a problem on the level of thinking that created the problem in the first place. We got to go beyond that. And that's what empowering questions can do for us. That's what high prayer can do for us. And I think that's where the juice is. Asking empowering questions helps us follow the scriptural reference that says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing of your heart. And I think that's what Judge Waring had done. He doesn't conform himself to the current reality. So when we see the news headlines on the Internet that point about well, how bad things are, 
Our highest prayers ask, what is my assignment to help see from the highest point of view? How can I lift my awareness? How can I see the truth behind the appearance? How can I see the possibilities and hold the space within my awareness? And then as a community, we realize that the news headlines simply inform us how to direct our prayers, how to transform our consciousness so that we can be that change that we want to see. Realizing whatever we see in our outer world, whether it's ourselves, individually or collectively, is nothing more than an outpicturing of our soul, individually or collectively. What we see collectively in society is a collective group soul, but rather than change the external, which many people try to do, which is like trying to pray to an unresponsive wall, we change ourselves first and foremost shift our thinking, and then align ourselves with that consciousness so that we receive and be available to the seeming miracle based upon our actions. I think when we touch that state over and over again, something happens. I don't know if you ever had a, a magnificent manifestation from a prayer. I've had a couple in my life, and I've talked with other people, and, and the conversations often come up about what a brilliant experience they had, how the prayer was answered. And they would talk about what happens just before the answer comes, that suddenly the worry seemed to disappear. All the trying to figure it out with our rational mind stops. All the doing and trying to make it happen, it ceases. And instead, there's an awareness that takes place that in the midst of the prayer, and suddenly they knew that all was well, that everything was going to be okay, and they released and they let go. And then it was right after that, the demonstration may have happened. If they were looking for a job, they got it. They wanted some sort of physical change in their body. It began to operate a little better. There was a clarity in a relationship if it was in turmoil. There was some kind of insight that happened. And sometimes we may mistakenly think that those things that we saw show up was the answered prayer. But that's not what the answered prayer was. The real answered prayer was that moment of clarity, that moment of connection, that moment of sensing and feeling that the power and the presence and the love of God was the activity of our awareness. That is the moment. That's the moment we're going for. You know, I always talk about, you know, here in New Thought, we say, well, we'll try to be practical. And so I always like to leave a strategy that we can use and one strategy we can use to get into that vibration of that highest prayer. And that, that strategy, and it works like wonders. Give up chronic complaining about life. <laughs> if we're complaining about life, we're seeing through a glass darkly. And then we cannot see the possibilities. We cannot see the presence of God. I don't know about you. If you know some people who chronically complain, no one here that I'm sure does that. <laughs> but the chronic complainer never gets to experience the ever-expanding good because they're not around long enough for the spiritual demonstration. They're uncomfortable when things are going well because the vibration may be too high. That's why they move around to find some things to complain about. We experience the highest vibration when we enter heaven, realizing it's a state of mind. And we bring it with us. 
We hang out with it. We go to God. We stand in God until it clothes itself and becomes visible. And those who do not go to God for God, sometimes they fight and they complain because the agents are perpetuating the very thing they do not want. In other words, whatever we energize with our energy, with our thoughts, with our words, oh, it becomes more. So we don't want to do that. Well, I don't want to do that. I can't speak for anybody else. I have to stop that. I used to do that a lot. We want to be in a different vibration because thus that complaint is, a, is static on the line. And when you have static on the line, you can't even hear the good. You can't get the guidance that spirit has for us because we might know all the spiritual principles and all the phrases and the affirmations. We may get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm a wonderful child of God. God is everywhere present. Everything is good. But that conversation starts changing when people get around their peeps. <laughs> their core belief comes up and they talk about lack and limitation and wonder why all their prayers have been uttering are not revealing themselves. So we want our prayers to be our old beliefs undoing. This is what the highest prayer is all about. We're not trying to change the outer. It's always, don't think about this teaching, it's almost always is about us. It's always about that will of God being expressed through us. It's all about a vibration that we need to change so that God can come through us. And when we start doing this, oh, the surface mind, when we start making that change, oh, the surface mind will start coming up a little bit. It may start getting a little bit nervous. Uh-oh, she praying again. She meditating again. She's starting to take that workshop again. She's watching that message on YouTube again. Let's distract him or her. And, you know, before they start remembering the truth. But when we pray in that high vibration, we can say, as they said in that scripture, get thee behind me, crazy thought. When they say get behind me, Satan, that means crazy thoughts. That's all it is, crazy thoughts. Get behind me. And we begin to eliminate the static that drowns out the voice of God, the energy of God, the all-knowingness of God. We eliminate a sense of separation between us and the spirit of God. And we celebrate God in spirit and in truth in the only language it understands, and that's the language of consciousness. And when our consciousness is ready, the spirit cannot deny us. And in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, each and every prayer is answered in the most magnificent way. And we have the attitude of expectancy of God the good. And that, my friend, is the highest prayer that we can gauge in. Peace out. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center
Time.